hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Wine Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ryan. How you doing today? I am doing swell, because we are going to talk about, we're going to talk about how we do. We're going to talk about how we do reason today. That's right. We are That's re- right. returning to our, um, our read-through of Hegel's Phenomenology of Spirit, and we're picking up in, this is the biggest section we'll have to work through and we're going to try to make this as as clear and top level i think as possible to like what hegel is thinking through why he's thinking through it and some you know shortcuts to to help uh someone get through but also to i think in in like the as much as we possibly can to show that um the hegelian approach uh is very much not uh doxa uh like like he he's and he it's it's the way that he understands reason is absolutely not a, a, a common sense understanding. And it's more than just he defines a common word differently, right? Like that's right. like it's, Right. It's, I think that's really that. important. Yeah, yeah, really important. Because that's pretty uninteresting. Right. Like if I said, well, when I use the word French, I'm really referring to the Germans, that would just be <laughs> like that's not really that interesting. No, you know? no, and then yeah. it's just it's beyond it's 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 much beyond. I guess I'll put it this way: like, yes, he's an idiosyncratic writer. I mean, like that's just like uh, I think that that's true. But this is not an idiosyncrasy. This is like it's a it's a, a crucial part in the whole theoretical edifice that that is um, right. uh, put together in this book. And so right. l- let's. I just want to start with this: that like what Hegel uh, is trying to do here with, with re- Hegel's reason is not Kant and, and it's not even, you, it's not even anti-Kantian, which would be easy, right? That would be easier for, right. for us. Right. And I think for people to, to work through, but what, um, Hegel wants to do is he wants to put contradiction back into, to reason. And he wants to do it through the dimension, uh, that Kant cuts out. And, and that's mostly through like, through feeling and, uh, an emotion, which is, you know, w- where he starts. I mean, he starts with sense certainty. And I mean, he's clear that that's not a, a kind of, uh, that, that cannot manifest itself as like, a, like truth proper. But there's a reason he starts there. And it's, I think it pays off here in this middle section of, of reason is that, like, you can, you can see the, the, the whole thing coming together and, and what Hegel's trying to bring into a consideration of, of philosophy is these sense and emotional and feeling elements, which even in a popular sense today, people think is the enemy of reason. So how, right. so I'm going to, that's my start off question to you. How does Hegel start to do this? And, 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 wh- and why does he do this beyond just that other people don't do it? Right. Well, so I think he actually, in a in a in a weird way, he accepts Kant's definition of what reason is. But Kant's very critical of reason. So Kant mm-hmm. divides between understanding, or the German word Verstand, and reason, or the German word Vernunft. And and Kant is very critical of reason. Like the mm-hmm. critique of pure reason is a critique, and it's a critique of reason for running into contradiction. So just like you said, Hegel thinks. It's actually the virtue of reason mm. that it can encounter contradiction, and it and and thus reason is inflected. He thinks with our desire, and so that's that's one of the main things that he's discovering here, which is, is I, I think really interesting. And he's he's also trying to his first thing he says is read reason looks out on the world, and the world is its world. So that's mm. an important thing that that through reason, subjectivity sees itself in the world, which is, 
again, I think almost the opposite of the way that we usually think of reason working. Like reason is, I think for most of us, the subtraction of ourselves from the world. So we're just looking on it cold, in a cold, calculating way without an investment. Investment, But Hegel's point is, no, reason is this, in a certain way, total investment in the world, and what it sees in the world is itself. And then, mm. so the world is interesting for reason because reason sees itself in the world. And that's, I think, the, that's sort of his starting point. And then that, and, and what he would say is that even in itself is contradictory, right? Because reason is subjectivity, and yet the world is opposed to subjectivity. So mm. the, thinking those two things together, so they're, they're both identical, reason sees itself in the world, and they're separate because world and reason or world and subject are separate. So that's for him, that's the speculative move to see the connection between what's identical and what's different. So that's, I think that's the basic setup of this, of this, you know, long section of the, of the mm. book. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's fascinating. I mean, there's uh, the, the connections to psychoanalysis are, are like so apparent here and, and, and right we'll, that we'll, we should explore late, you know, as we talk. Yeah. Yeah. For as sure. we talk through, yeah. for sure. For sure. Uh, it's, um, yeah. Cause that, that's a, that's a really fascinating part of about this long section of the books, like a hundred, well in the Miller, it's like 130 pages, I think. Um, and, but the, just to, just to go back to what you just said is that like, I think there's, I think it's fair to say that, um, in a popular and in a common sense, there is a conflation, uh, with, reason just as you said and being cold and calculating so that you can be objective so that you can look right. at something in an objective way and the hegelian point on and that that's a um so so one could align that with with kant but it's really it's not it's not kantian it's just but it's like it's it's like uh taking antinomies like it's an antinomic way of of of, of thinking like like and, and expanding that as to being like philosophy proper um right uh which and it what it does is it cuts out oh i don't know the entire phenomenology of spirit i guess <laughs> uh, is what it cuts out but so the this this uh, idea of conflating like reason and objectivity like what it tends to say is 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 that like you you reach this this plane of and this is a, a word that comes up a lot you reach this plane of like of pure observation of a, of a position of being able to observe things as they are, if you are, you know, can be cold and detached from it. And Hegel's point is that's how, you know, you are most attached to right. the, the field that you're, that you're looking at, the thing that, that you're looking at that like cold, just, uh, just as you said that like cold and calculating doesn't show that you're not invested. It like, it, it shows that you are like, it, it highlights your investment. Right. So even so so even the way that we use the term reason, we don't really understand what we're saying when we use it. That's Hegel's point, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. Which is which is I think that's what makes it more interesting than just redefining a word because right. that's as we we've said that's an uninteresting thing to do. So that's so he's he's trying to and and again I think you're right. This is exactly like what Freud does all the time, mm -hmm. looking at the way in which we have this one way of understanding what we're doing and what's really operating there is this other thing that we're not conscious of, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, so there's really a notion of that going on here. I would just say one other thing just to, to begin, that, that his, he, he, he links reason to what he calls the category. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of fascinating because Kant 
one of the things that Kant does when he sets up how the understanding apprehends the world is he includes this table of 12 categories. And he thinks we use these, and one of the categories, the most famous one is causality. So mm-hmm. we, use the, we use the categories to make sense of the world. Like we, we look at events happening and we say, oh, that causes that. So we're applying this category of causality to what our senses perceive. And so Hegel does this fascinating move. So he, he reduces the, ca- the 12 categories to one category. He just says the category. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he says, Kant's table of the categories, he famously says, is a disgrace to science. <laughs> and, and what he means by it, why he says that, and this is very mean, obviously, but what he, what he means by that is Kant just, he takes over the categories from Aristotle's table of judgments, mm. and he just, he just assumes that those are the categories. So, so he, he doesn't ever try to deduce them from the structure of our thinking. And, and so that's what, for Hegel, is the disgrace. And this is a, something that Fichte and Schelling were also critical of in Kant. So it's a big, it's a big thing. But So why does he think of the category as singular rather than as multiple? I think it's because the category is what allows us to connect the subject and the world that it's knowing, right? So, mm-hmm. or, and it's the world that it's desiring. So, so once we get to reason, and this is what I think you were really rightly getting at the beginning, once we get to reason, we're no longer just in the attitude of knowing, we're, and even in self-consciousness, this is true, right? We're already invested in what we're, what we're knowing. Mm-hmm. And that has to be, that has to be part of what the way that we conceptualize our knowing. So this notion of the category is the thing that provides the connective tissue Mm-hmm. between us and the world that we know and the, and that connects the world together. So I think that to me is the way Hegel both distinguishes himself from Kant at the beginning and then sets up how he's going to how he's going to develop the line of thinking. That first the first thing is this category that makes the connection between us and the world. This is so I have a, a couple questions for you. Um this is really interesting to me because um Kant's so in a not in the way that he means it. But I think Kant's position is pretty much doxa. I think like the, the idea of the multiple is, is far more popular right, uh, right, as, as, right. A, as a standpoint of, of thinking things than, than the way that um, Hegel. And I think even though Hegel has this one, this one, the singular category, it's, you know, if you've been following along us talking about the book and, or if you've just read the book, um, like what's absolutely crucial for Hegel is this primary split in the subject, which is the only way that the subject for him, like can apprehend objects. Right. So even though this, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, even yeah. though this is a singular category, we're still looking at a split category in this, in the way, in the same way that psychoanalysis understands the subject as a, as a split subject. So exactly. My, so my question, right. the, for, the category yeah. is contradiction in a certain yeah. way, right? Because oh, it's yes. the subject and the object together. Okay. That's all right. That's excellent. That's okay. That's that's very very clear and really uh, that's really excellent. Um, would you say that the psychoanalysis version of that is is um, is the unconscious? As yeah, the, as the category. Yeah, yeah is the un- well. I mean, I think wouldn't 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 I would almost say it would be something like the gaze, right? Like okay. the because the category is the thing that connects subjectivity to the world, and isn't it isn't Lacan's point that the objet a is this connective thing that can that that can it's the point at which subjectivity opens out into the other. Yeah. I think he even says that directly. Like sub, the objet a is the connection that 
the subject makes to the other or something like that. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I would say, which is, of course, unconscious. So, so yeah. yes, in that sense, yes. But I, I would just maybe want to specify it in that way. No, no, that's, like, that's fine. Well, no, that's fine. And I mean, this is the, I mean, if you're looking for, I think harder, hard to find a more um, Lacanian section of the book that like, I, yeah, absolutely. Because this is all yeah. a, like, as we've said on the podcast before, we sometimes get emails about this, that like one of the things that, uh, it, Lacan is most known for, for like the return to Freud and the death drive. But as like we sometimes say on the show that what he does is he socializes Freud and right. he, and he brings right. psychoanalysis into, uh, which Freud was already doing as we've like explored recently in the civilization is discontents episode. And like, you know, um, and certainly in uh, group psychology and analysis of the ego, but it's much more heightened uh, and, and a much more of a priority in Lacan. And that is what uh, Hegel is doing in this section is that like, he wants to understand reason and he begins with the individual. And then the next time that we do another one of these episodes, we're going to do spirit where he begins with the collective, but this the section begins with the individual and the individual ends up running into a problem. And this is what the same problem that Kant runs into with, uh, with reason in the critique of pure reason. And, and this is, but it's a antinomy and it's a contradiction and he turns away from it. And that's the dimension that Hegel wants to, to highlight. So, uh, take us through this a little bit, starting at the beginning. So the, in, so the, the, talk, talk to me about the individual as Hegel understands it and the individual reason. And it's like, Basically, it's collision with um, with with the collective, right? So, so the, the that collision is basically documented throughout this chapter, right? So, so reason is about all the series of failures of the individual to find itself, to find the world as its world. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole because that's what we that's the starting point of reason that the world is my world or the mm-hmm. world is the world of reason. Right, so, or the world is the subject's world, mm-hmm. uh, and then, and then, so then he looks at, he starts with this, which I think is a great section on what he calls observing reason. So, mm-hmm. so reason is just observing the world, and this he's basically thinking here of a lot of different forms of natural science, mm-hmm. up through. Uh, even what we call psychology, behavioral psychology, there's a kind of critique of behavioral psychology at the end of this section. But throughout this section, he's just looking, He his point is that when scientists, scientists in the sense that we mean science, so when, when Hegel uses the term science, he's using the term Wissenschaft, which is, mm-hmm. he means, that means philosophy too to him. It doesn't just mean mm-hmm. natural science. But this this is a point he's making about natural science, that when we do experiments on the world. What's interesting to us about the experiment is that we think we're really working, or we don't think this, we think we're looking for something, some data about the world, but what we're really looking for is ourselves mm-hmm. in the world. And I think yeah. that's the, that's, so that's the, the, this opening, that's the gambit of this opening section, that what we're looking for when we look out in the world and do, let's say we do an experiment about, um, I don't know, uh, photons and like mm-hmm. where they, you know, <laughs> or, or like about the the wave particle the, uh, distinction, right? Like, like okay, that's a that's a experience. And I think actually, 
modern physics is is interesting on this, right? Because the whole the whole idea about the wave particle and like if you're looking at the experiment and you make it, this is the Heisenberg yeah, idea that if you're looking at the experiment and you make a difference on it, like in a certain mm-hmm. way, that's Hegel's entire yeah. point that mm-hmm. every scientific experiment is actually looking for the truth of subjectivity because that's what reason does. So so that I think it's you know it's more evident it's funny because it's more evident in physics than it is in biology, which yeah. shouldn't be that way. But I think it is it is true that that is the way it is. Um, but anyway, he thinks every experiment works that way. Todd, you know, I, as I like to say to you that I, I think that I've thought of something good and interesting and original and I realize that Hegel said it. I, as you were just explaining that, I realized that's my whole thing with the, um, with the, uh, the water pick commercial that, you think that what they want you to, to take from it is that it's better at cleaning your teeth, but it just cleans corn. Right. And right, it's, right, but I right. just think it's like, it's, it's a, like you, you think you're, pro- you think you're proving something, you think you're proving something objective, right. And, and outside of the, the thing that you're looking at, but like what you're, you, 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 you fail to see how, how you are in the thing that you're, that you're looking at and you're, right. you know, yeah. Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't see that what you're really proving is something about yourself, right? Yeah. Like that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. And it, you know, what's interesting too, is he thinks that the, we perform experiments. I wonder what you think of this idea. Okay. He thinks we perform experiments because the goal is to strip away all sensation, all sensibility mm-hmm. from our insight and make it a pure universal law. So, so the, the, yeah. the, the series of experiments are done to arrive at this universal, you can never get there in this way, obviously, because he, I mean, this is Hume's critique of induction, right? Like mm-hmm. no number of experiments can ever be enough to arrive at a universal law, right? Because you can always say, well, the next one could have gone the other way. So, so, but anyway, I, I wonder if you think that's true, that that's I, what experiments are really striving for. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting. Well, I, I guess I would just, uh, um, my my shortcut on that would, would be to say that I think he rightly sees that, and I, well, this is a broad, I'm, I'm not, there's not a broad side on like all science, obviously scientific investigation, very important, <laughs> led to many different things. But I think where, where he's, very correct and i and i think this is something that worth um oh it's definitely not part of the uh like contemporary conversation on on science is that like the you can't you can't do the science you cannot have the experiment so perfect that you take subjectivity out of it that's kind of the way that i understand what you said is that like like because it's it's like trying to trying to get to the it's it's interesting I, i could maybe see why he would find this like kind of offensive because it's sort of like trying to arrive at spirit, but without subjectivity. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But you know, in a way he doesn't find it offensive. He just thinks this is what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. like yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't really care. He's not an argument against scientists. He's just mm-hmm. like, look, you're exploring subjectivity. Yeah. Like that's fine. Yeah. You know, right. That's of why course. it's interesting course, for you. Right. Course. Like, yeah. like you think you're interested in like quasars. Yeah. But what you're really interested in is subjectivity. And that's, that's his and point. So then the problem, this is interesting. So the problem that we're, and I don't know if this was the same when, when he was alive and this is part of why he, he was thinking about this, but like, I don't, I, I think that there is something, I don't know if it's social. I don't know. I don't know exactly where it comes from, but like that the pressure is on science to be above that. I know. And, and I that, know. and, and, and I think that's a 
I don't know where exactly that comes from, but it's just that is in the air. It's it's, it's palpable. totally ideological. I yeah, think. It's, it, it is. And I think that and then I think science rather than like to with big S like I mean, you can see this in climate science is that like the th- this is why the I, I guess I would say this is why the um, the the conservative right will always have a a shred even if the even though their point is like is ideological and it's pro corporate and it's the awful but like they'll have a shred of a point which is that like there's something that's not being accounted for here that's basically all they're saying and what science what the climate science and like what the ideological pushback on that is like no we've accounted for everything and this is completely a thousand million percent true and it's like you that you have put yourself in a losing position Right to to yeah. argue in that way, and I and I and right. that, that that I think is, is 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 Hegel's point here too is that like it's I don't know why it's not fine for science to be investigating the subject and why and yeah. but but it, but it's not it's clearly not like it's, it's like clearly socially not. speaking I don't yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know that I get that yeah I mean it's a, it's really fascinating that that this section of the book if you had to pick which section had the least impact of all. It would be this, right? Yeah. <laughs> like nobody thinks this. Like nobody yeah. thinks this. No. So I think yeah. this is one of the, and look, it's buried in the middle of the book, and it's not as sexy as the master-slave dialectic, right? Like yeah. that's, or or the sense certainty section. So mm-hmm. I get it, I guess, but but it is like in a way, it's more radical than the master-slave yeah. dialectic. You know, yeah. like it's like think about what he's saying. Like he's saying he's not saying don't do it. Yeah. He's just saying reconceptualize how you're doing it because what you're looking for is subjectivity as it's been expressed, right? Mm-hmm. As it's expressed out into the world. Yeah. I So, I don't I, know. I, and also I just like just a lo- like I don't know, maybe like last little little thing on this. I I think that the uncertainty principle like like I don't know why that's just in the domain of physics. Right, like, I know. and I, I don't know. think I, and I don't think, I don't, I, I, I'm sure someone could, I'm sure someone could show me like through studies, for example, like how like they sh- say that it doesn't apply to biology or, or whatever, but like I don't, just from a, I, I just, I guess I don't understand that as as this like a point of acceptance at the beginning of any study, is that like look we're doing this we're setting this up we're trying to control for this, but. You know, as the uncertainty principle holds, there. You know, when you, when you look at something that like you change it, and there's well, no the, I mean, I think that the I think that the idea of a double blind, yeah, is for a lot of these experimenters. It means that subjectivity is is is, is erased for. from yeah yeah yeah. yeah I mm-hmm. think that that's the idea, the double blind study. So yeah, so mm-hmm. I but I think you're I think it's just a you know I mean it's not a repression of this section because no one even no knows one it exists it. Right, but it's a repression right, right. of the subject in science I, I guess right I well absolutely right right it. and then and 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 Lacan's point is that that's how psychoanalysis is born the repression mm. of the subject in science and I think that is absolutely true that, and the question is yeah. like do you need does science and I think Lacan's answer would be yes that mm. science needs to repress the subject in order yeah. to have its insights yeah that's interesting. So it so, I think that's maybe true. And but then, and that's and that can be totally fine. But then on the other end, you have to account for that. Account for it, right? Yeah. Right? 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 Because I mean, the idea that it needs to repress it would be this: that you have that 
every scientific hypothesis has to be able to be validated by no matter who the subject is, right? Like yeah. so, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter. So unlike a philosophy, like it does, like if if we learned that Isaac Newton was actually a vehement anti-Semite, actually, yeah, it's true, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. We wouldn't all of a sudden start to float up in the air, right? Like, like, right. like his what he discovered holds no matter what. Whereas, mm-hmm. like. As we learn more and more about Martin Heidegger from the Black Notebooks, mm-hmm. his version of of authenticity and, and existentialism is—he would hate that word—but um, yeah. becomes more and more questionable, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it, it, it's hard to be a Heideggerian today, mm-hmm. I think, because of that. So, and it's not hard to believe in gravity today, no, you know. No. So, so I do. I, I, in that sense, I think. The repression of the subject in science is structural, yeah. but I take your point that there you have to still that it seems like a different thing what Hegel's saying to see that when we're thinking about gravity, we're actually thinking about our ourselves and about our subjectivity. Yeah, just to like just to kind of like nail down my the the thing that I was saying is I don't think that I don't think that science like natural science because this is what. Uh, where what Hegel is getting at. So I want to make sure that we're being understood in, in this context. I don't think that natural sciences needs to account for the subject in the same way that philosophy does, or, or especially for, um, right. for, for psychoanalysis. The, the, um, the point, I, I, I think this would be, as you were saying, Lacan's point um, in reading what Freud was doing is that like, and just to make this entire thing like, like a quilted together is um it's not what would it be like if psychoanalysis was accepted as a science, but what does science look like if psychoanalysis is included? Yeah. And what science looks like... That's really good. Thank you. Yeah. What science looks like if psychoanalysis is, is included is it includes this question. Is that like, okay, like, yeah, you, like Newton, like you totally demonstrated like gravity, like the, the despite how people want to deny the shape of the earth. No one's saying gravity doesn't exist. Like you like, you really crushed it on this one. Um, can we talk about a subjective dimension to this? You know, like, I think I it, like, like where, like, like where do we see the subject in, in gravity? And is it that, you know, you, you put, I guess, I mean, I guess maybe this would be the question is that like, why, like, why did, uh, why, maybe it would be this. Why did certain, um, why did certain uh, uh, like scientific understandings of the natural uh, world arrive first? And that's the priority of yeah, the subject. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that, and I think that you get a lot of like anthropocentric like criticism of, of science that actually comes down on that side. And I think that, 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 that maybe comes from, which isn't to say that it's wrong or whatever. I'm not putting like a value judgment on it, but I think that would be the, if psychoanalysis, it, not as a science, but as a part of science, it looks for the role of, uh, of the subject and it looks for the subjective in things that would or like just seem like that they have nothing to do with us but like right. but you know and gravity is a great example of something that seems to have nothing to do with us right except it just it always gets me down <laughs> nicely done <laughs> sorry, McGowan. sorry sorry that was just, that was stupid uh yeah so i i i think um i think that's right i i totally agree with what you're saying yeah yeah and so so then so the the final point hegel gets to in this line of thought about observing reason is he gets this idea that the kind of the position of B.F. Skinner, kind of mm-hmm. behavioral psychology, and that we can look at the environment or I think even the genetics, you wouldn't say genetics, of mm. course, no. um, yeah. of a 
person and then tell what they're going to become. Mm-hmm. And, and he, at the end of this section, so this is a section, I think it's section 307 of, of the phenomenology. He says, the problem with this kind of psychology is that the same exact causes can actually end up having the opposite effect. That, mm. that is, he thinks that the subject is capable of, of inverting the cause and making itself into what was other. So like if I was, let's say my parents, okay, so this is actually a real example. So when <laughs> okay. I was born, when I was born, my grandfather handed me a football. My, like I came out of the womb, he handed me the football. He wanted that to be a thing, and they dressed me in a little football outfit, right? So I could have, and, and this is, is Hegel's point, I think, I could have been repulsed by foot. I should have said, like, I am just never going to have anything to do with what you're trying to push on me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I didn't do that. I totally embraced it. But <laughs> but the the possibility exists for that kind of total rejection. And I think that's, for Hegel, what is wrong about behavioral psychology so that you can have the same explanation that would end up, like, if I grew up to be this kind of guy that just hates like, like, okay, we're vegetarian. We raise the boys, our two boys, vegetarian. They grow up and they, and they're like, I hate vegetarians. I only want to eat meat. Like, mm-hmm. and the, everyone would say, well, they, it's it was just because they, vegetarian. they raised them vegetarian. But then if they go their whole lives, they're vegetarian. People will say, well, well they were raised vegetarian. vegetarian. That's why they're vegetarian now. And so Hegel's point is that explanation explains nothing. And yeah. I think that's pretty great, really. I think it's, that's a nice critique. It's it's excellent and it's I I think more relevant I uh, uh, than I maybe more relevant now than even when he said it because I think I that think like so. yeah. because there's the um like yes of course of course this is the the whole thing that the psychoanalysis is investigating too is that like how constitutive of the subject is the social right like that's the that's that's the question and it, but it's right. not looking for percentages it's or maybe I'll put it another way is that the social is constitutive of the subject but not completely Right. And that's the that seems to be like it's it's very funny it, it, that like like but not completely. That's a that, I, that's perfectly. put. I think. yeah, yeah. Be, be, well, because if you if you push and I don't think any anyone who would who would uh, uh, avow or say that they're a constructivist, I don't think anyone would say this, that like that, like people are math equations, that it's like your parents plus your experiences plus whatever, like that determines who you are, because I, I just don't. I don't know, like, like that, that doesn't seem, I, I don't think anyone who would, would say that, like, they, they always want to hold on to something that escapes the, 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 the social, just as what you were saying, that, like, that escapes the situation that, that, that they were in, and, and that is not determinative, like, this is the thing, is that, like, um, you know, as much as I know there's this, um, there's, like, kind of a, I think a condescending line of, uh, of, like, liberal thinking on, like, racism, where it's like, well, you know, it's what, people are are taught and it's like yes absolutely but you i want to say you have a capacity to have a a reaction to your reaction and right. i and i and i, and I think right. that's i i don't know i i think that most people would agree with that and i i just think that's the like like you and and i i guess i take it that to be like hegel's point here is that like if like you like as you were saying todd like you have a reaction to your reaction and your reaction to the reaction of the football is that every time i try to get you into the soccer you don't get into it and you tell me that story so that's what that's that's your reaction to to that right. to to, right. to that situation right and and, and th- that's you that 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 exists it's not it's not determinative completely from this like 
oppressive outside that makes that like makes you who you are exclusively from the the social and that's the thing too where like like the the individual I think, don't is you not think the that inevitable is, production that's right, that's I think yeah, the important right point. right yeah. right which i think is kind of the liberal position today. yeah i think that's true you know i think it kind of is like i was just talking to a really a close friend of mine who who his he has four siblings and they all they're all damaged in a really I mean, like, and they can't even kind of exist in the world, right? They've existed. And, and, and they've, a lot of them have, have, or some of them have, have, have visited the cruelty that they experienced as mm. children mm. onto other people in different ways. Mm-hmm. But this friend of mine just absolutely, he's like the kindest person I know. So, mm-hmm. so it's interesting. And, and so what he did, he like conscious, not consciously probably, <laughs> mm. but he, he made it his project to just not, visit that cruelty on that was visited on him on other yeah. people, you know? And yeah. so I think that that's, so that, that's what Hegel's saying here. I think, yeah. you know, that, that you have that. And it's a really, I think it's an incredible testament to his belief in freedom, right? Like that's mm. the, that's why you can't be determined in this way. Mm. I think that's a very, very nice point. I think that's the, like, that's the, and that's definitely against the ideological position. I, I think that people see like, how how determined is a structure how powerful is an institution and it's like there can be no freedom there and i and right. and, and and hegel holds exactly the opposite which i i i mean which is why i think i mean you wrote a whole book on it on 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 that principle so uh yeah definitely i it's something that that i agree with and find um inspiring it just is a way to 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 think about things like like yeah. it, it's it's you don't i guess this is the the idea is that like um like the, I've always said this with, or like, you know, there's something I said with, with Mari is that like the structure wants you to believe that it's perfect. The other wants you to believe it's big. And right. it's, and, and when you, when you do that, like you, you help it. And, and, uh, and, and, but there are ways of seeing gaps, cracks, you know, sites right. of, of, of rupture. Uh, within, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I like that, Ryan. Like, yeah. this is another way of saying the big other doesn't exist, right? Yeah, like, that's yeah, kinda, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's really smart. That's really good. Yeah. So then, so interesting. So now he turns to my favorite chapter in the entire book, wow. which is the chapter on physiognomy and palmistry and yes. phrenology. And fr- yeah. phrenology, for, so for me, this is a little bit of background. So phrenology... Uh, You're talking about how you're bald and people can see your skull. I know. So people can, (laughs) they could do a phrenological analysis of me without even, you know, just by looking at me. But, um, but you know what they say about guys with big brain pans? That's, what do they say? No, no, no. That was the joke. That's the joke. That was the joke. Right, right, right. I thought I was waiting for the punchline. No, no. Yes. Okay. But I think that, you know, like the, so important thing. So this was a, even at the time Hegel wrote, I mean, now it's to utterly discredited, but the time Hegel wrote, it was a pseudoscience and it had, it was a little bit more status than palmistry and it had a mm. lot of adherence. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there's a great book I, I mentioned to you, to you before um, by Stephen Jay Gould, who's an incredible thinker, called The Mismeasure of Man. And he gives the history of phrenology and, and he links it and shows how it was in, in, indelibly linked to racism mm. because the whole point was to discover that Aryan European 
brains were bigger. And it was also related to sexism because men's skulls were t- tended to be bigger than women's. So that was a, a way to divide in that way too. And, and so the idea was brain si- skull size linked, was linked to intelligence. Right. It was and, actually starting from a conclusion to, to backwards design it to, to, to make right. that work, which is that's what, right. which is, as we talk about all the time, which is what um, the fields don't talk about uh, phrenology, but this is, they, they go through all these scientific studies. This is, and I, I, I take this to be what racecraft is, is this like this pseudoscientific attempt to justify and calcify race. Right. As, right. as a, as a right. category. So, right. I mean, yeah. what I like about what the field sisters do is that they even pick up these ones that seem benevolent, mm. like sickle cell anemia, which we think like, oh, we're just trying to, there's more, you're more prone to that if you're black. So we're just trying to help you. <laughs> and they're like, no, that's just bullshit. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. they're just like, that's just not true. And so I think that that's pretty, I mean, they, they came out during the, during coronavirus too, because mm-hmm. that was a, such a popular refrain, right? To say, if you're black and brown, people suffer disproportionately from coronavirus. Yeah. And they came out and said, that's just simply not true. It's simply not true. It's a, it's a question of poverty and geography. Yeah, it's not right, a question. Right. It's not like, it's not because you're black or you're Latino, Latina, that you, you somehow get coronavirus more easily. I mean, that's that, like the, it's just funny the way that got repeated it's it's everywhere. I mean, that it's was the kind the of LA version Times, of phrenology. The, the, I, yeah. I agree with you because it's and I I don't know. I guess I put it this way: I don't think anyone who's saying that thinks that they're doing something racist. But they make it. What they do is they make it about race, and it takes it away from the material condition, and it seems to lean into it being some kind of biological thing. Right. I and, think. Yeah. I think if you asked most Americans, they would say, "Well, there must be some biological propensity." if you're Latino, Latina, or black, to get coronavirus, right? Because they've been told this mm-hmm. for a year and a month, right? Like that, it, It's just incredible, really, that that's, it seems, and, and I think you're right, like the people saying it think they're liberal. Yeah. Like yeah, they think well, I, I'm making a progressive, this is all these terms I hate, of course, that's why I'm using <laughs> them. They think they're making a progressive statement, right? And it's just, it's, I was just, I'm, the other thing that it does, of course, is it makes, Poor whites think, oh, I don't have to worry about it so much because it, you know, like, it, mm-hmm. it, and then so it pushes them into the Trump camp. It's like it's an utter disaster. I yeah, think. no, no, no. It's a uh, you can you can definitely see. It's a really nice way of seeing um, uh, of, of ideology is, is looking at that, which is like the the liberal or even progressive people think that like, oh, the way to the way to be, I don't know, like the, the way to write something radical is to like make this like completely about race. And then you have like the field sisters saying like, no, you're helping the racist imagination when you're doing this. I don't maybe right. not literally saying that, but that that's their point. And then there's also uh, t- today, uh, I, every time, you know, this thing that like uh, the governor, the governor of my state is very likely going to be recalled. I don't know if this is too much of a deep cut for world politics, but maybe like because we have listeners all over the place. So I don't know if it's too much of a deep cut, but Gavin Newsom is probably going to be a recall. He'll probably survive it because the structure is set up to favor the incumbent, although very right. famously, this is how Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor. Of, that is true. That yes. is true. Yeah. Yeah. So but. Every time. So there's a um, there's a write up today in The New York Times about like, how do we get here? And, you know, how did, how did, you know, Newsom was elected with, it was like a, a, the biggest 
I would I didn't vote in that election. I, I would I wasn't out here yet, but I think he won. He got like sixty four percent of the vote or something like that. It was like a just such a landslide when right. he was when he was voted right. in. And so they start recounting like the things that led to like he only has like forty six percent approval, which is much much less. And they're right. like going through this. And one of the big that things, was a good pun, by the way. Thank you. He said they start recounting, and he's he's <laughs> being recalled, but it, eh, whatever. You know, no. Well, I don't know. You know, as, as, sometimes we transcend ourselves, and that was, <laughs> that, was that was that was that was me certainly transcending. I didn't mean that. Uh, but the yeah. uh, the the thing with so okay, so it starts with the, the, all the stories start with um, you know when he he had this right. He extended this stay at home order, right. and then had a, a dinner, a maskless dinner at a Michelin star restaurant right, called I, the right. French Laundry. Yeah. Um, that's what everyone ta- talks about. And with, and this is the other part is it sometimes gets brought up as with a lobbyist friend. That's it. That's, that's how it gets talked about. And where's the ideology here is that like, it's, it was like, it was like a moral thing. He made everyone has to stay home, but he goes out and he right. has an unmasked dinner. That's right. unfair. And it's a right. more, he was moral. Me- moral, a total moral objection. He was right. meeting with, this lobbyist friend, someone who he was about to give like a $10 billion contract to build a desalination plant off the coast of California that people have looked at this and they're like, this is a really bad plan. Like we support the idea of desalination and California needs water in a lot of different ways, but th- this particular plan is not good and it hasn't gone through. That's what he was meeting to do. And I have seen that in like one article. Wow. And and, and wow. that is not mentioned in like me even talking about it. It's I feel like... I sound like a conspiracy theorist about it, but like it, you know, because that's just not what's out there because what it, what is always focused on is the moral outrage because you know what? Nobody cares on the right that he was meeting with someone he was going to give a contract to. They'd have done the same thing. Right. They'd have absolutely right. done the same thing. So it's right. just, you know, it's this more, it's this, it's this moral moralization concern. of the, the political. Absolutely. Thing. And it's the same thing that's at that, that what the liberals and progressives think they're doing is they're making it like a moral problem with COVID that uh, disproportionately affecting, you know, black and brown communities. They, but what they're doing is they're, they're sedimenting um, the racist imagination and, and this, this idea that they're, and they're there depoliticizing is, it. And I think that's yeah, right. very, yeah, 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 absolutely. yeah, 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 that's really good. That's really good. So, so anyway, so, so Hegel so is So all taking, of that's here. That's what we're saying. All of that is here. All of that's here. But, but, <laughs> but really what Hegel's doing is he, this is one of, I think, his finest anti-racist moments. So we did talk mm. about that in terms of the master-slave dialectic and his reference to, his implicit reference to Haiti there, mm-hmm. made famous by Susan Buck Morse's book on Hegel and Haiti. But here, I think it's very clear that he, he's, including this critique of phrenology because he thinks it's nonsense, but, and he's going to show why it has to be wrong, but he also, I think, wants to, sh- he he finds an insight in it. And I think this, to me, yeah. is maybe his greatness, at, at, in, in, in really in a nutshell, because he takes this thing that he wants to just slam utterly, mm. and yet at the same time he wants to say, maybe it has this crucial insight that can advance what I'm trying to do in the phenomenology. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's the thing, as we talked about on this podcast before, it's the thing that I think is maybe most inspiring to to Zizek because he often gives himself the worst argument to start from. Right. right and then right. shows how, yes, you know what? Everyone who thinks this thing is stupid, they're correct. It is stupid. But what if we looked at it 
and that we just put this twist on it and we can see something that we can't get otherwise is incredible. The, the one, the, the, um, I learned to say the word as physiognomy. So I'm, and I know that's wrong now cause you looked it up before the podcast physiognomy. You have to hit the physiognomy. The, yeah. You have to hit the G and the N. Um, is is the same thing like also a pseudoscience like nobody no one is a physiognomist but you know as we, we were talking one of the examples we were tossing about uh before the podcast when if and this is i would challenge anyone to like really like really reflect on this when you see someone out in the world and they're really really fit like they're like like toned whatever you make a pretty determinative judgment pretty quickly about about that person uh and that's not all that far away from, I mean, that's the, that's the structure of physiognomy, which is that like right. the, right. the, the outside tells you, the outside tells you about the inside. Right. And, and like, yeah. like you mentioned before me, my being bald, my head shaved, like, oh, like, right, right. like that's absolute. I, people look at me absolutely and draw. I mean, you can draw a conclusion like, okay, he's vain enough that he didn't want to just look bald, but he had to shave his head. So it looked <laughs> like it wasn't this just, you know, terrible looking, Baldness, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a like you could make that. I think you could make that rightly make that reading. So I think that that's an or he's, or maybe he feels like he has to try to cover up his baldness <laughs> by shaving his head, right? Like so. So I think that I think all those things are. And, and Hegel's point is they're even valid, right? Mm-hmm. Like I mean, the, the I think the we've talked about this before just between us, but the, I think the best example is the clothes you wear, right? Like mm-hmm. like it can of course you can't maybe. You can't afford any other clothes, et cetera. But a lot of times you can afford whatever and you you choose to wear a certain kind of clothes. You don't maybe wash them. You mm-hmm. Maybe you wash them too much. Like all these things. Mm-hmm. I think like I know a person in my department who wears a three-piece suit with a tie every day to to teach. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, what what's going on with that? And, and so <laughs> – and he, of course, thinks the same with me. He once said to me – I once walked past him. I don't know if I've, I've probably told this story even on the podcast before, but I once walked past him and I'm like, I can't, because it was a really nice suit, I mm-hmm. think. And I said, I can't believe they allow you to wear that. And then there was another colleague who's like, you, you can't say that to him. He's well-dressed. Look at you. And, right. said, yeah. and, and he said, what are you, why are you allowed to wear those hats? So, so for me, so, so, it, so, but that, like the hat tells something, right? The suit yeah. tells something. So I think that's what he's getting at here. Yeah, definitely. And that this is, and I, I think, so, and I want to get back to the phrenology point because it's like one of the most incredible lines in the incredible. whole book. Yeah. Um, yeah. But th- with the, uh, the physiognomy part, I'm trying really hard to hit the, <laughs> hit the pronunciation correctly. The, um, the, he's not. Uh, I don't know. Maybe to put it as simplistically. He he's he in no way does he w- want to throw a baby out with the bathwater. He wants to. Right. He always wants to see if there's something if there's something that remains uh, if there's something that remains in the bowl after both baby and b- bathwater have been thrown out right. that uh, right. that is worth uh, moving forward with. And that's this like it tells you something about the it tells you something about the individual and it tells you something about the social like right, these this right, phys- these right. physiognomy type. Uh, determinations and this for him has to be a part of reason it's not like some other dimension that we need to get past and cut out and then we can get to reason that like no like this is like this is this is where you're seeing the subject and you see it most obviously here yeah right that's the point right because if reason is seeing subjectivity as it manifests itself out in the world Mm -hmm. then physiognomy would be a great example of that yeah 
And, but okay, then phrenology, right? Like when that's to me, and I think you're right, like this great line, it's I think section 345 or 340, I think that's right. Um, Mm -hmm. He says, the being of spirit is a bone, right? Like that just, it's incredible, right? Because the idea is that, that, that this thing that's spirit, Mm-hmm. That Hegel wants to think is the is what's capable of the highest thing in that humanity is capable of, right? Mm-hmm. Our our greatest thing. It's dependent upon this stupid material structure, right? Like yeah. that's his. Yeah, that's his. I mean, it's such an incredible insight that that this dependence of spirit on its material being means that it can't that it, that that it can't just it can't like get rid of its body and just and and reach the infinite on its own, right? It's attached to that bodily structure. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's incredible. And it's, and also I, I think this is the, the really important move. And this is why, again, like Hegel has, as, as we, you know, just went over that, like part of, part of the, why he's rejecting it is, uh, the, is the, 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 the race component to it that he is why, why he wants to chuck it out of the system. But, what it does do concretely that he's also doing is showing how the subject is object and the object right, is subject. Right, 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 right. Exactly. And that's, exactly. and that's, and, it, and it's only at that level that he's taking from phrenology. And it's just to even, to not be, I, I think it's kind of incredible, like to, to be able to see that the, like the, all the reasons why one should reject something and be able to lay it out and then also be able to see, but it sees spirit as bone it sees subject as object and object as subject and that's what i'm pursuing therefore we're going to take this piece i think that's incredible 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 yeah Yeah. and then and then he has this one of his funniest the funniest parts of the book i think (laughs) is when he he says that he says if you you when you get in an argument with a phrenologist you simply can't argue with them because of their Mm. position and so he recommends Instead of trying to argue with a phrenologist, taking a taking a stick and smashing in the head of the <laughs> phrenologist to convince them that well maybe like spirit is something other than just the bone right like yeah. that so I thought I I love that idea that somebody who is it that says when when we confront Nazis I prefer I prefer baseball bats I think that's Woody Allen maybe that said that but but I think that's kind of that's kind of Hegel's point here, right? Yeah. Like the, the, there are certain positions you just can't argue with because their position already excludes the the possibility of that kind of argument being convincing. You know, I so, really anyway. I really see myself in that example because like thirty percent of my head is uh, is fake. That's right. That's yeah. right. So it would yeah. be it would kill you, really. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it would, yeah. but also, but I mean, to the like to Hegel's point about the phrenologist is that like there are my my head shape is different now. So right. like, what is right. you know, so what right. do you do with that? Right. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Right. But no, very very nice. So that's so that unbelievably takes us to about halfway, <laughs> right? Of, of right. this right. of this section. So the where he's going to move through, and I, I think this is pretty pretty crucial movement so from from here forward um he where where he's going to end up is in virtue which we talked a little bit about uh, earlier so but what he's thinking about here so he so i think the the movement is kind of clear so this is all observing reason and so now he's turning to the act so so this is the phrenology is in a certain way the end point of what you observe Mm -hmm. and so now he's seeing how subject has to act that it's in the subject's acts that we can find 
reason realized in the world. And, and, and in a certain sense, that beginning point is also the end point, right? Like that's mm. the that's the idea. And then he he goes through this little thing. So he starts with pleasure, mm-hmm. and that that the act like that that what we're pursuing is pleasure. And then he he quickly realizes that that runs into this contradiction that that pleasure is constantly coming up against necessity and then so mm-hmm. you can't resolve that difference and then and then he Which, gets hold to, on I, by the by the way yeah. reality principle i mean right exactly yeah it's yeah, incredible. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah incredible right it's right you're right what he's getting to here is the very dynamic between the pleasure principle and the reality principle in that so, section i think yeah, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And then this next section is really famous, and I think maybe we should just devote a little time to it, the law sure. of the heart. Yeah. So I want to say one thing about this. So Lacan fam- famously talks about the law of the heart and then confuses beautiful soul and law of the heart. Interesting. So it's the one, I think it's the one, mis- his reading of Hegel is Kojevian a lot of times, but this is one just actual mistake that he makes, which is kind of That's interesting. Where, did, where, where is that out of interest? Ah, I've forgotten. Okay. So I should right. know. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you when I go yes, back. Yes, just and tell me. All, Don't through, tell anyone else. Through all my materials. No, I'm not going to. No, if someone no, really wants to know, I can. Yeah. you can email me. But um, but but so so the idea of the law of the heart is that that I have this and it's from reason, right? That I, mm-hmm. I have this law that I think is the way the world should be. The problem is anytime I actually try to institute that way the world should be, it ends up being the way, it, it, it always seems to violate how I think the world should be because it begins to apply to all these other people, right? Mm. So, so, so this is a. It's interesting that this is the re, this is the contradiction that reason continues to run into. That is, that what I want to be just my reason ends up being collectivized in a way that I feel does violence to me. So mm. that's what he's that's what he's talking about with law of the heart. I think that it that it that it can't any realization would be. Once it got to the universal level, it would be a violation of that law because it wouldn't cease to be my own law. That's a, so. Can you give an example? Yeah. So, like, I, I let's say that my law of the heart is that, um, I don't know that that uh, everyone should be compassionate. That's mm-hmm. my belief. Everyone mm-hmm. should be compassionate. But then once it becomes the the like, let's say everyone has to be compassionate becomes the law of the land. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like I, I, I no longer see myself in, the, in, in that idea of everyone being compassionate. I no longer get the feeling of, oh, when I'm compassionate, I really feel like this is me realizing myself, mm-hmm. right? So, so I feel like, oh, it's, it's actually external. It's coming from elsewhere. It's not... And, and, and when I see, like, if I see... You adopting mm-hmm. my law of everybody being compassionate, I'm like, well, wait a minute, that's not what I really meant. Yeah, yeah. Because but what I really meant is this other thing, yeah. right? Like, like, yeah. like he's just doing it because he is perverse and gets whatever, or there's what you know, like, or he's not really compassionate when he does it. I mean, you have to really feel, you know, like whatever yeah, it no. is, it's always gonna. When I see other people doing it, there are never gonna be as true as what I'm, how I'm 
imagining it for myself. Todd, no, that's so good. There's, for whatever reason, this just reminded me, there's this really funny line in an episode of Community where a character makes a, um, they're about to get married and they make a self, they make a self-effacing remark, like, you know, uh, you know, about themselves and people laugh and immediately this person shouts it's, it's at a direction in the audience. Someone laughed at that the wrong way. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I think that's so well, so, and I think that was it just what you were saying is that like that guy's being compassionate in the wrong way. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, you, that example is great because yeah. I think like self-deprecating remarks are perfect, right? Like, cause yeah. we love to make them at least I do about myself, mm-hmm. but when other people are making the same exact <laughs> point, I'm like, yeah. well, I don't know. Am I really that terrible? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I've, I was just playing tennis this morning and I'm like, I'll scream out like you suck so bad. And I'm talking to myself. Right. But, but then if the person I'm playing against said, man, you suck so bad, I would be like, what the hell? I'm never playing you again. So, <laughs> so I think that's the, I think nice. that's the basic idea. So I think that example of you, you gave is really perfect, That that's yeah. the, that would be the perfect example the perfect of this law of the, law heart. Of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice. Yeah. So what, is, and, and so, and Beautiful Soul, have we, where, where is that? Beautiful Soul think, is at the end. So at that's the, end? The, okay, that is, yeah. it's fascinating that Lacan would make that error, but it's also fascinating that the beauty, so just to, let, let's actually try to just, yeah, yeah, we're right not up. to Beautiful Soul yet, but just to mm-hmm. clarify the difference. Yeah. So the Beautiful Soul thinks that what they want is this ideal world. And so they're constantly saying, this isn't, things aren't good enough. This isn't, you know, if we did it this way, things would be better. You see, so mm-hmm. there, there, you can see why there would be this, this, this confusion between the two, but mm-hmm. I think there mm-hmm. is a, I think you can also see the difference between the two. Yeah. Like so the one, like, yeah, go ahead. Well, it was just like, would you say that it's, it's that with the, the beautiful soul is this, um, is this ideal and that's an well. Would it be an example of internal versus external? Like there's a like an exactly, internal, exactly, an internal, exactly. I, okay, okay, yeah. So law of the heart, internal uh, ideal that becomes external and has and it does not resemble anymore the internal like because it's a part of the that's collective perfect. and, and it's rejected. That's perfect. And, okay, and then, and then the, the, in the beautiful, beautiful soul, soul. It's I. I don't think the external. I'm always just. It's not really like you're posing an internal in opposition. You're just saying. The external doesn't live up to what it should be. Yeah. Okay. Right. So you're con- so the beautiful soul is is completely hysterical, and mm. the law of the heart is actually more psychotic. Interesting. Right. Like yeah. like the law of the heart has their own thing, and they don't want other they people. just want it to be their thing. They don't want yeah. other people. They don't want other. They don't care about what other people. But the beautiful soul is just hysterically in opposition to whatever the ruling mm-hmm. ethical ideal is. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure if we had talked about it before. If uh, in no, no, in it comes at the very end. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, incredibly far at the end. Like right, right before absolute knowing. All right. Fantastic. Okay. Um. So that's good. It's funny. That is so funny that that he reverses them. Yeah. 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 You'd yeah, have yeah, thought yeah. he'd have seen one. Uh. As uh, as as especially since his the I mean as we're going through it it's just very clear to me. I feel like it's something you forget like how much the early Lacan is about like it is really working through and against psychosis or at least like psycho, like a right. part because he, he d- like, that's what actually helps him formalize the notion of the real because as we, as we've been going through in that series, but anyway, uh, separate, separate conversation. So from here, he moves on to virtue, right? Right. So, yeah. so virtue, so he realized so this contradiction that law of the heart runs into mm-hmm. leads him to recognize that, okay, 
there has to be we have to accept the realization of the law as, you know in, in in some universal form mm-hmm. and so virtue becomes this service of the universal so mm-hmm. so virtue is the individual devoting itself to serving the law and the universality and mm-hmm. and and so that and and he contrasts it he thinks that the point of virtue is that it's always trying to overcome what he calls the way of the world. So the way of the world is self-interested, mm-hmm. individualistic. Virtue is about giving up one's individualism for the sake of the universal. And so mm-hmm. they're going to be... So what virtue... And the reason why he pairs these together is that virtue needs the way of the world as the thing that it opposes, right? So yeah. there's yeah. no virtue if there's no way of the world to oppose because everyone is just... Like if everyone acts virtuous, there's no such thing as virtue. Right. Right, right, right. There's no need for virtue. And in fact, that's his critique of virtue, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that virtue is more in love with virtue than it is with trying to accomplish the ethical act, whatever that so might be. I read this, this, I'm, I'm glad that we're, that we're here and spending some, like some time on this. I read this as, as actually really as, as, um, connected to the, uh, uh, Kant's category, uh, expansion error, the, the, his disgrace, because, the Aristotelian virtue, right, is this mean between two extremes of behavior, right, right. and I think that's absolutely in the firing line right here. And both both of those things have to go back to Aristotle and Aristotelian, uh, I don't know, uh, commonplaces or conclusions. So I think I think that that's I I don't know I see that as as implicit here, uh, and 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 also of course because. Kant, a, a big part of Kant will be, you know, moral philosophy and virtue ethics and things like that. Right. So I mean, I think, yeah. right, right, right. I think it, it's interesting because I think he is, later he's even more explicitly critical of Kant. It, it's like the, the critique of Kantian morality comes up again and again and again throughout this this book. And I think you're right. Like this, because his point is that virtue, and, and this is his critique of Kantian morality, one of his critiques, that it 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 prefers being moral to accomplishing moral acts. Right. right. Yeah. And so and that's what the virtuous subject does too. That they are yeah. more in love with their appearance of virtue than they are and even not just appearance, like their real virtue. I just want isn't that such a yeah. con, isn't that such a concise critique of like contemporary liberalism? I like, oh, it's so perfect. Yeah. 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 It's perfect. Right. Yeah. Like you want well that whole thing of like this notion of virtue signaling. signaling. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I want to be, but but Hegel's point is, it's actually it's interesting because his point is, if you're really virtuous, it's even worse. Like <laughs> like like the hypocritical virtue signaler. He's he actually prefers that person because they're really actually invested in the way of the world, which he thinks is superior to virtue. So mm. that's the. I mean, it's a kind of a mind-boggling thing. And it actually, you know, so he read, he knew Adam Smith, he knew Wealth of Nations. Mm -hmm. And the thing he likes about it is that you think you're doing one thing, and this is, you know, this is Smith. You think you're doing one thing. You think you're advancing your own self-interest, and you're really really benefiting the good of the whole, right? Mm -hmm. That's Smith's idea. And, And so that's what he thinks the way of the world does. And he thinks what virtue misses... So there is this, that is a good thing about the way of the world. And what virtue misses is that this, this constant sacrifice of itself, of its individuality, his point is, well, we need individuality in order to actually accomplish anything. Hmm. 
So that's what's missing with virtue, and that's what way of the world actually does. Like it uses individuality to actually get things done. Yeah. So this that's a that's fascinating, and that's that's a different. I will I, as much as we were saying that, like you know, you can see so much of psychoanalysis here and how it looks at the um, you know the subject and the and the social. I don't. You don't I, think that's in the psychoanalytic point? I don't. Well. Why not? Why not? What, what do you think it's not? I don't know. Like, it didn't hit me. Like, I, I, you know why? I think because, well, I think part of it is because, um, like, that seems, maybe it was just in the way that you were casting it to me, like, like coming through Smith, it, it seems expressly right, political. Right, and, right, I, and I, right, and I right. think in, in Lacan, you know, we often have to, you, we got to make that move. Like there, it's like, we, you can do it, but I don't think it's, it, uh, I, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. Th- I, th- I, I mean, think that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I guess that the reason why I thought it was linked again to psychoanalysis is just because you don't know what you're doing, right? Like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. That you think you're, you, th- while you think you're acting virtuously, you're really undermining the thing that virtue is supposed to aspire toward. Mm-hmm. And when you think you're acting just individualistically, you're actually benefiting other people. So, so, and I mean, it, look, it all comes down to Hegel's, I, his, his absolute priority of the deed, right? Like mm. what matters is, is that you have to, it's what you do and not what you, not what your position is. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, I don't know. I think that's, the, that seems to me the key. I, th- I think we think, thing. I think it's really funny that we think that's, you know, it's what you do and, and what you say. I think that in general, like that seems to be like a cliche, like, Oh, everyone thinks that, but it's really like, you know, I think we brought up on this, uh, podcast before the former owner of the um uh, L- la clippers uh the basketball team in los angeles like he didn't lose his team because he's one of the most racist like convicted racist business owners like land developers in american history that's not why he lost his basketball not team. at all not he at lost all. it because he was recorded saying comparatively mildly racist teams about his pl- uh, 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 uh yeah, racist, racist things. things about his team, about his players to his mistress. Uh, right. That's why he, because it was what he said. Right. And I, and, and again, not what he did. Like the, yeah. the, the, the incredible, deed, really incredible. The, yeah. The deed totally repressed like right. all of them. I mean like Bomani right. Jones had one of the great, he had the great take at the time about this that like, like, yeah, he was like, yeah, I guess it's good. He lost his team, but like, do you know what he's done? Like he had like made his uh, his wife pretend to be like a like a in like a building inspector so they could manufacture dirt so he could get uh, Mexican tenants can like uh, like evicted from the places he lived because he didn't like that they were there like it's just you know yeah and anyway so so I think I think you can find a lot of particularly like for like for for famous folks and 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 in politics I think you can see that it is like. It, it is not the, the, the deed matters uh, much less than much what less. is said. And then right. like, if you, if you can master the, uh, what is said, then like, you know, the, the deed, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that, and I think that, I think the wealthy tend to do a good job of mastering what's mm-hmm. said. I would say the, uh, yeah. the border right now is probably a pretty good example. Yeah. It's a good example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it, Biden is, it, you know, it's, a, it's a different, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a different and the, there's a coherence to what's being said. So the way that, that it's the, the, uh, the crisis is portrayed is very, is vastly different when vastly again, different. yeah. 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 So anyway, so, so we're, we're on to what, what Hegel calls the, this is a differently translated. So the, mm. the, the term he says is disacha selbst. So that would be like the thing itself, but, but it would, that would cause an immense confusion with all the, with, the Kantian vocabulary and the fact that he uses the term ding on which is 
which is thing in itself also. So it's usually translated as something like the crux of the matter or the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea is that what matters is what the, the, the individual realize, like its own, what it really is, is, is like the individual's thing that then the individual pursues and then realizes in the world. And then when your thing becomes actual, it becomes a thing for everyone. That's his mm. idea. Mm, That's okay. this idea. So that, and then, and then, it's interesting that that then paves the way for this. It's funny that he ends both reason and spirit with, a, a, again, he's coming back to morality and kind of to Kantian morality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like this notion of reason as spirit as, or not spirit, sorry, subject as law giving. Mm. Like that's at the and then it's subject as law testing. And his right. idea is that that law giving is really this is directly from Kant, I think, that you're you know, you make you find the moral law that's universal mm-hmm. and then you apply it. And it, his his critique of this position is here, I I mean it will be different later in spirit, but here it's just that that Kant's idea is that how do you discover what the moral law is? Well, something that's not logically contradictory. Is moral like should I should I steal? No, I can't steal because if I steal, then that will make property nonsensical. So then stealing will be won't make any sense. So it's a logical contradiction when I try to steal, right? So so Hegel's point is like that you can't reduce morality to logic. I guess is his yeah his critique well, yeah well because the, the uh, because of the assumptions right like that like right, there's a lot right. of there's a lot like the uh, the assumption of property right 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 is in in right. that example and and it's right. that's un uninterrogated in right. Uh, right. In, in Kant and and like somehow like it, I mean that's really interesting it's like like that um don't you think sorry oh no just no maybe we're gonna ask the same question that like yeah why why does he like the ground assumptions are outside of the domain of morality I find that I don't think I understand. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I, yeah. I was just going to say that the, it's, it's, isn't it so fascinating that Hegel picks up on property yeah. as the one thing that he's, he's critical of, and I think you're. It's a great question. Like, why doesn't why don't the ground assumptions of morality? Why aren't that and of society? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't that become part of the moral comp? You know, the calculus. Like, I think. Well, you doesn't. know, isn't the answer because of the contradiction? Like, because of his his allergy to it. To, to yeah. make, making that part yeah. of the system, yeah, because right, exactly, because it would force him to confront the contradiction. Yeah, right. just like the like the existence of property as such is just right. such a like that is is already suffused with with contradiction that right. he he it just has to be in a it just has to be part of it has to be part of the background upon which human acts are done. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's right. But it's it's just it's kind of fascinating, right? That Kant, I mean, Kant's obviously an incredible thinker, and in that mm. he just this this incredible blind spot. Mm. Right, like how how does he not think that? Well, like the for like how do you just how how do you just assume that the social setting in which you're acting, either morally or not, is just okay? Yeah, it's just a given. Right? It's just a given. Yeah. And, and what's funny is he's like the most ardent supporter of the French Revolution. So <laughs> it's like he never tries to think his political philosophy alongside his moral philosophy. Well, but isn't the doesn't this come back to the entire thing here, which is that like, if you cut out, if you cut out a dimension of like, you know, a a feeling sensation and like, but really like all of these things are just ways of getting at contradiction. Like if you, if you cut that out, then you, 
of course you're going to miss like the, like the ideas of like, of, of, of property. Like you're going to, you're going to see the French revolution as, as, as being about something else. You're, you're going to, you're going to make like, it's, it's like the, all of this, like all of, uh, every, everything that happened in the French revolution had to occur to, um, get to a, a, a place of, um, I don't know, like, like, a, again, like a, we were talking about in the beginning, like, like a more like common sense of like objective understanding. Like, I don't, right. I don't know. Like, I just right. think that without, I, I think with, with, without a notion of contradiction being intrinsic to, um, existence and to subjectivity that you would miss that in looking at history. I think that's right. I, I don't, you think, I wonder about, you think about this, like, and it's really, it's, it's kind of the same point that, 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 he doesn't like he keeps these domains separate, right? Like yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. thinks you can separate theoretical reason from practical reason, mm-hmm. from faculty of judgment, from political thinking, right? Yeah, and and, yeah. and it seems like Hegel's whole point is you can't you can't separate morality from politics. Mm. That 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 mm-hmm. I think is an interesting again conjecture uh, conjecture with uh, conjunction sorry with uh, with psychoanalysis no that right? was a nice um, portmanteau was, i know <laughs> i know i was <laughs> i was searching around for the wrong word <laughs> that was was really good uh, yeah so then okay so 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 reason ends not with this coming up with moral laws but with mm. what he calls testing laws right mm. so so we test laws that we accept that are in force, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that means we don't have to come up with them ourselves, and that means that there has to be a collective form that's coming up with the law, and that means the collective is the starting point, and that means we're no longer in reason, we're in spirit, right? Mm, right. I think that's, the, that's how it ends. So that's, the, that's why we get this, the ending is in a certain direct way, the bridge to the next section, Geist or Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, I just want to take us back a little bit because maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. this might be interesting. Yeah. Um, I, there, there's a, a, a critique and a, the, 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 maybe the dominant American critique of Hegel that comes from this section. Is that, Let's have that, it. yeah. Well, um, I, I have this in notes from us that, uh, that he makes individuality to be the same thing as conformity and the reason governs state. That's the, I think that's probably that he makes say that again that he makes so he makes individuality out to be the same thing as conformity in the reason governed state. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting how that. So isn't that the kind of flip side of of? So Kant doesn't do that mm-hmm. because he thinks this absolute divide between morality and politics. Mm-hmm. And right. if you're going to marry morality and politics, isn't that, isn't that what you're going to have? Like that, I mean, I, the only thing I would say to that is that, that what is it? I would maybe quarrel with what that person means by a reason to govern state, right? Because <laughs> if Hegel's, if Hegel's understanding of reason is the ability to apprehend a contradiction, which is what I think his understanding mm-hmm. of reason is, then that means it's a state that is itself held together in contradiction. Yeah, right? no, no, no. That makes no. That makes perfect sense. I think that's the the and that's a um, well. I think that I think the response is like is as we started, which is that like how do you understand reason? 
you know, like, like, because if you don't, if that's cause I, cause I do think that is the, I do think that is the critique, but, and it's like, but that rule, re- re- um, it relies on <laughs> a, a very American understanding of individuality, right, which is right. to be, which is to, uh, I don't know, like <laughs> lecherously take from all the benefits of society, but to just be completely separate from it. Right. Um, and then everything Hegel's against everything Hegel's against. And then also that, um, that reason is this higher ideal that is outside right. of, of right. the, yeah, I think that's the only right. way you can, no, yeah, right. The that's the only wrong. ways you can sustain it. Yeah. But it's interesting because he does also, Hegel also thinks that the singularity of the subject only emerges through the attainment of the universal, right? So there is a way in which that claim is, I mean, he wouldn't call it conformity, but he would, he would, I think he would say that you have to be able, like, I think he would, can you think of a position he would be more opposed to than the anti-vaxxer? Like, Mm, because the anti-vaxxer says, not doesn't say, but this is the implicit, this is the position, implicit yeah. in the position, mm-hmm. is I'm going to benefit from all these other fools taking the risk of getting a vaccination, and and but I'm not going to run any risk. Because there is obviously, there has to be some risk associated with it. It's not risk-free, mm-hmm. even if it's relatively safe. I'm going to benefit from all them doing it. And or then I'm going to... predominantly kinda, safe, Todd. Like even, like, like yeah, like of course there's going to be the... The percent of a percent, like for sure. Right, yeah, right, right. Even if it's really safe, it's mm-hmm. not totally safe, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just, that, that's just, it has to be that way. I mean, that's true of even traditional vaccines, right? Like every once in a while, someone has a terrible reaction and it, it's. Also, it's, it could it, be given wrong. I mean, like. All kinds of yeah, things, all kinds right? Of things. Like it, yeah. like, mm-hmm. right, right. Like yeah. you, yeah. But the whole point is you're leeching off of all those people mm-hmm. that do their duty, Hegel mm-hmm. would say, duty. By getting the vaccine, so, so, so that that's exactly what you're saying. Like that, yeah. that whole that non, like I'm, I I know a I know a vehement anti-vaxer, a couple, and and they're absolutely convinced of their righteousness, and they 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 also think that that you're just a fool mm-hmm. to do it, and they just think it's my and they, and if you say to them it's a public issue, it's not yeah. a private, it's not a private issue. Sorry, it's not your private choice. They just unacceptable to them. Yeah, no, it's my right. Like right. it's That's my the, the, private. Yeah. It's private. It's none of anybody else's business. Mm-hmm. Of course, they have to tell everyone that they're doing it. The, the whole <laughs> they other have to make question, it very but, public. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole other problem. But but no, I think that's so. To me, that would be the that would be the ultimate anti. Hegelian, the position he would be the most contemptuous. Well, of. So, if, no, so this American place. individualism, I think, yeah. 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 It's a great, well, it's a great place to, to wrap up the thing because what it, what it fails to see, and you can see how, like, I mean, maybe like even American style reason, it would be the most opposed to, to, to Hegel because it's, what it does is it fails to see the absolute inseparability of the of subject from object and also from individual and social and collective yeah and co- yeah yeah yeah, right. yeah 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 collective yeah. absolutely or social yeah yeah mm-hmm. same thing yeah 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 I think that's absolutely right I think it's absolutely right mm. yeah so so that's a you know it's a it's a it, 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 I think do you think it's fair to say that he's a great anti-American <laughs> yeah thinker. i like it i like I, I mean i would like to say i mean that's i mean but 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 my um uh 
my leaping at, at wanting to claim that maybe makes me think there's something suspicious there. Suspicious, that it's just, right, it's just, right, too, right, it's just right. too good. That maybe it's, but maybe that's me. Um, uh, react, react. Maybe that's me reacting against the uh, my my law of the heart. So uh, anyway, uh, thanks so much, Todd. This is yeah. A, well, a, my, a my super, super walkthrough. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. I I I would just say that that I think the lesson is mm. watch Citizen Kane because I think that is a film. <laughs> I know it's a, you could give that as a lesson for everything, but Probably, but I think yeah. it's a great Hegelian film, and it also is constantly undermining this American individualism, right? Mm. Like that, in a certain say way, I think that's the entire point of the film is to because it constructs his identity out of all these different you pieces. Know, yeah, can I just iterate on that? Is I even think the way that it's mostly read, where the the rosebud is ju- the symbol of lost innocent. Like I think that's the dominant reading yeah, yeah, yeah. of, of yeah, rosebud. The, like what what do- Wells calls the dollar book Freud reading of the film. <laughs> yes. Doesn't that it? Doesn't that fail to see like 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 um you know I think we I think we always go back to uh to Wuthering Heights one way or another. I am Heathcliff. I am rosebud. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. it doesn't it fail to see subject as object. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I think yeah. beautiful Hegelian reason. A film of fair I think. So, <laughs> over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. <laughs>